Everyone has questions. Why am I here? Where will I go when I die? Is there really truth? But not everyone has biblical answers. Welcome to The Pastor Study, a ministry of pastorstudy.org. Join us now as we study the Bible to draw closer to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here is Pastor Tom Brock. Welcome to the Pastor's Study. The Bible teaches that one day everything will melt. We are going to study some cataclysmic Bible verses right now, and I'm convinced if we really deep down believe these verses, they would radically change our lives. But the problem is, we don't think about them. So I want to ask you to take out your Bible, turn to 2 Peter chapter 3. Let's think about things melting. Let's pray first. Lord, we do want to pray as we open the Bible that you'd open our hearts and our ears to hear your word. Lord, we would pray that you will use these verses to shake us into putting first things first and second things very second in our lives. Lord, speak to us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 3, three signs of the end. Number one, know this first of all, that in the last days mockers will come with their mocking. The first sign of the end is mocking. Years ago, I stopped watching Saturday Night Live. I don't watch American Dad. I don't watch Family Guy. I don't watch South Park because of the way those shows mock God. And even 60 Minutes, the TV show, they were having their big anniversary. And in, in the show, somebody used Jesus as a swear word, somebody used for Christ's sake a swear word. See, it wasn't too long ago, CBS would have edited that language out. Not anymore, because we live in a day that likes to mock the name of God. And the second sign of the end, first mockery, mockers will come following after their own lusts. The second sign of the end is lust. We live in a day of lust. I just got this newspaper item, Looney Tunes. And the whole article is about how now they have pornographic, pretty much, cartoons on cable television made for adults, but kids watch cartoons. I will tell you that, um, remember the song, Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. For the Father up above is looking down in love. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. We live in an age you've got to put blinders on because pornography and lust is everywhere in our culture. When I was a little boy, I found Dad's Playboys and Penthouse magazines in the garage. I was eight. It messed me up. But now kids are finding hardcore pornography on their iPhones. And I want to encourage you, mom and dad, first of all, put covenant eyes on your own iPhone and on your own computer and laptops and make sure covenant eyes is on your kid's iPhone. I think Satan is having a field day destroying our kids and destroying our culture with pornography. Google the words covenant eyes and put that on your devices. I will tell you though, what troubles me the most is the way lust has invaded the church. 
I used to be an ELCA Lutheran. It's the big liberal branch of Lutheranism. Years ago, I led my congregation out and we joined a more biblical branch of Lutheranism. Well, the ELCA Lutheran bishops just had their big meeting. 65 bishops came together and they brought in a lesbian woman married to another woman to train the bishops in gender identity, gender expression, and sexual orientation. And she's part of this pro-gay group, and now she's training the bishops. Do you know two of the 65 ELCA Lutheran bishops are practicing homosexuals with husbands? Lust has, it's not just out there in the society, it's invaded the liberal mainline churches. Same problem in Presbyterian Church USA, Episcopal Church, United Church of Christ. First sign of the end is mockery. Second sign is lust. Third sign, look at verse three, uh, 4. People will be saying, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all continues just as it was from the beginning. The third sign of the end is skepticism. Jesus isn't coming back. It's been 2,000 years where I can keep sinning because everything's been the same ever since the creation of the world. The skepticism. And you know what we say to the skeptic? We say verse 5. <laughs> For when they maintain this, it escapes their notice that the word of God, by the word of God, the heavens existed long ago and the earth was formed out of water and by water through which the world at that time was destroyed, being flooded with water. In other words, have things always been the same? No, God destroyed this world once. It was called the flood. He's going to do it again. But this time not by water, but by fire. Remember that scene in Wizard of Oz where Dorothy takes the bucket of water and throws it on the witch and I'm melting, melting. That's going to happen at the end. God is going to melt this world, not with water, but with fire. Look at verse 7. But the present heavens and earth by his word are being reserved for fire, kept for the day of judgment and the destruction of ungodly men. Here's the next lesson. One day God will judge and destroy the ungodly. I was traveling recently, so I got an Airbnb room, it's a bed and breakfast room. And I meet the owner, and he's going to take me to my little place. And, and I said to him, you know, tomorrow's Sunday. Is there a church nearby here? I want to go to church in the morning. He said, don't ask me. I'm a heathen. And then the guy from upstairs that was running the upstairs came down. And we're all standing in the kitchen. And, and the, the guy says, yeah, I'm an atheist. I used to be an evangelical Christian. But uh, how could God send people to hell who never hear about Jesus? And you're God, blah, blah, blah. And I said to him, well, God will do what he does with the people that never hear. But that's not you. You've heard and you've rejected Christ. And, and I tr the, the atheist got very intense with me and we went back and forth. Finally, the atheist left. And the owner of the Airbnb says to me, you know, I went through the Alpha course years ago. It's a Christianity course. And he said, I've been sitting on the fence ever since. And I need to do something about this. And he said to me, I've seen this before, what I just saw in the kitchen here. I've seen Christians be humble and how angry the atheists get. And he said, I've been sitting on the fence and I, I thought to myself, I don't want to be him. I want to be you. And so I, I, gave, I had a salvation tract in my pocket and I handed it to him and I said, why don't you read this? and then we can talk more. What I was trying to do to these men was, was 
gently, lovingly uphold the truth of this verse, one day God will destroy the ungodly. Let's look at verse 8. But do not let this one fact escape your notice, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. You ever heard this joke? Little boy says, God, is it true that with you one penny is like a million dollars, and a million dollars is like a penny? God said, yes. And God, is it true that with you one second is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like one second? And God said, yes. And the little boy says, okay, God, can I have a penny? And God said, sure, wait a second. But I'm bump. Okay, anyway, look at, look at what this verse is teaching. Um, look at uh, uh, verse uh, 8 and 9, verse 9. The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. In other words, do you know why Jesus hasn't come back yet? It's not because he can't pull off the second coming. He can do it, but he's not doing it yet because we serve a very patient, long-suffering God who wants lots of people to be saved and reach repentance. I, I was with a group of Christians and I asked them that, the question, do you want Jesus to come back now? And I got various responses. And what I said was, I do. <laughs> I mean, when I see the way America is just turning its back on God, when I see the way the church is falling away from the truth, I want Jesus to come back right now. But I said to them, I have family members that I don't think are saved. And I have friends who I don't think are saved. So for their sake, it's okay with me if Jesus delays. The second coming is delayed because we serve a God who wants many people to come to repentance and salvation. So let me stop and ask you the big question for, for this program. Have you reached repentance? If Christ was to return now, are you ready? I'll tell you what happened at that Airbnb. The next day, I got a knock on my door from the owner, and, he's, and he's, he says, I've read your booklet. I have to do this, he said. And I said to him, it's rather unusual to have someone this open to the gospel. And he, and he took me into his apartment. He didn't want the atheist to hear this. And, and he said, yeah, I've been sitting on the fence. I need to do this. So we got on our knees, he prayed, and he received Christ. And then I told him, now you need to get baptized, you need to find a good church and start being part of the church. But he wanted to be ready. Are you ready if Christ was returning now? Have you reached repentance? The, let me tell you a stupid way to live your life. Well. I'll, I'll become a Christian someday. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll become a Christian like right before I die. And you know what I said to the guy at the Airbnb? <laughs> There's an old saying, he who waits till midnight to repent often dies at 11.30. And I said to him, we're all going to die. You need to make sure you spend eternity in the right place. Have you reached repentance? Look at verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, that is, unexpectedly, in which the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat, 
and the earth and its works will be burned up. I've done this on the show before, but let me do it again. In other words, this is the world. This is the day of the Lord. This is the world on the day of the Lord, and everything dissolves, everything melts. Look at verse 11. Since all these things are to be destroyed in this way, what sort of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? Here's the next point. The point of that verse is things don't last, people do. Now, I was looking at some old books that I have, and I thought to myself, these books were here long before I was born, and they'll be here after I die. But you know what? That's not true. <laughs> um, I, 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 I want to read this from a scholar called Green commenting on 2 Peter chapter 3. People matter more than things. This we tend so easily to forget. We slip into the habit of thinking of the world as more enduring than its inhabitants. Peter here denies this. People are more enduring than its inhabitants. Uh, people, uh, Peter says the uh, humans are more enduring than its inhabitants. It's an unsta in this unstable universe, the one stable and imperishable factor is human personality. It is with this that we will meet God. It is with this that God is primarily concerned. A man's character is the only thing he has to take out of this life. Therefore, the quality of our lives we are leading in the light of his second coming is of supreme importance. And then he says this, All down through the ages, it has normally been the case that men who have set their hope on the returning Christ have lived holy and attractive lives. In other words, and I've shown this before too, I got this at a garage sale, an old plaque, only one life which will soon be past, only what's done for Christ will last. Everything else ends up like this. Your car's going to melt. Your house is going to melt. All these things we spend so much time and energy, they're going to be a pool of water. Live for the things that are going to last. Look at verse 12. We should be looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God. Now, do you know that there are two things you can do to speed up the second coming? Number one, prayer. When you pray, our Father who art in heaven, thy kingdom come, you're praying for the second coming. And the second thing that can speed up the second coming is preaching. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 24, the gospel will be preached to all the world and then the end will come. When you preach, when you share Christ with others, when you give money to missionaries to bring the gospel overseas, the more we preach, the quicker Jesus can come back to fulfill that verse. And that work, every, every time you talk to somebody about Christ, every penny you give to missions, that work will last for eternity. Everything else, your BMW, your big house, that'll be a puddle. But what you do for Christ, like it says here, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Look at the rest of verse 12. On account of the coming day of God, the heavens will be destroyed by burning and the elements will melt with intense heat. 
I'll tell you what I thought of. <laughs> I make pottery for a hobby. Here is a teapot that I made years ago. Teapots are the hardest thing to make because you got to make it on the wheel and make it in a circle and then you got to wait till it dries and then you squeeze it down. Then you got to make this part separately, this part separately. You got to add the handle and hope that it doesn't crack. Well, one year, actually one session, I made about eight teapots. I never make them anymore. <laughs> I put them all on the kiln and it took a lot of work. I fired up the kiln. Finally, it's done. I'm going to open the kiln. I'm kind of excited. I overheated the kiln. The eight teapots had melted together. I had to throw them all away. <laughs> That's the point of this verse. Don't live your life for things that are going to melt. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. And then look at the last verse, verse 13. But according to his promise, we are looking for a new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, since you look for these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace, spotless and blameless, and regard the patience of our Lord to be salvation. I have one last question then for you today. What do you need to do to be spotless and blameless before him to be ready if he were to return today? My guess is everybody watching the show, myself included, there's something the Lord wants you to do to be spotless and blameless and ready for him. I encourage you to do that now before it's too late. Now you might say, well, how can a sinner be spotless and blameless? Well, ultimately, it's only through Christ. I love the old hymn. When he shall come with trumpet sound, oh, may I then in him be found, dressed in Christ's righteousness alone, faultless to stand before the throne. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. In other words, the, there's only one way to be spotless and blameless, and that's through Christ's righteousness, through his death on the cross. I said to that guy at the Airbnb, I said, you've accepted Christ now. If you continue in this, continue in your faith, trusting him, your sins are forgiven. In God's sight, you're spotless, you're going to heaven, but you need to continue. And, and, and I'm going to ask you then, yes, it's only through Christ's righteousness we're spotless, but he still wants you to be working that out in your life. What do you need to get rid of to be spotless and blameless before him? Amen. Welcome to the portion of the pastor study where we now ask Pastor Brock to share with us his knowledge of scripture and his insights to answer questions we have regarding the Bible, our Lord, and our everyday walk with him. Pastor Brock, do you believe that we're living in the end times? You know, ever since Christ rose from the dead, we've been living in the end times. Because before the resurrection was the old era, now, since he rose from, you know, the early Christians thought they were living in the end times. Well, they were, because ever since Christ rose from the dead. So in that sense, we're living in the end times. Are we living in the very end of the end times? I don't know. What constitutes the end times? Yeah. I mean, people say we're in the end times. Yeah. Other people say we're waiting for the end right. times. Well, what happens at the very end is Christ comes down in the clouds for every eye to see. He raises the dead and the earth is destroyed. And then we go to the new heavens and the new earth. But before that happens, 
Jesus said certain things will happen. There will be an Antichrist, I believe that, you know, and so certain things will happen before the end. But, you know, maybe the Antichrist is here and we don't know who he is. So I just don't know. Okay, you kind of almost answered one of my next questions is that, is God really going to totally destroy the earth or is he going to do a makeover okay. of it? Okay, you know, when, when I just preached on the, everything will melt, there are two ways Christians understand that. I take it to mean the earth is gone and he takes us to the new heavens and the new earth. That's the way I read Second Peter chapter 3. Some Christians think the earth will have a makeover. It'll be like, yeah, it'll get really cleansed and then revitalized as the new heavens and the new earth. I don't see that, but some people think biblically that's what it's going to happen. My, my thought is it really doesn't matter. God's going to bring in the new heavens and the new earth in the way he wants to. Whether this present earth has anything to do with it, I don't know. So there you go. You know, Tom, I think it's really scary because our world today is changing so fast and that has so many different things to think about. Mm -hmm. Is there any advice that you can give on guarding against the lust that's yes. in our lust-filled world yeah. today. We have people lusting for so many uh -huh. things. And Jackie, so what I said in the sermon, I'm going to say again. Everybody Google the words covenant eyes. It's this, it, you pay them like 10 or $11 a month. They put screens on your iPhone, your computer, your laptop, and to prevent you from getting into the hardcore pornographic stuff. You got to do that. I'm an adult. I have that on my stuff to prevent me in a weak moment from looking at stuff I shouldn't. Make sure you do it for yourself, but make sure you do it for your kids. I mean, I, I know Jackie, a guy who's got an eight-year-old daughter, and he looked at her, uh, the history honors. She had watched hardcore pornography for three hours the night before. And he said to me, I don't think she's perverted or anything. I think she's just curious. Well, listen, parents, to prevent that, get covenant eyes on your kids' iPhones, on their laptops, on their computers, and on yours, too. The, 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 uh, pornography is everywhere now, and we need to protect ourselves. You know, isn't it funny? I, we had two children, my husband and I. Our kids never had phones. Mm -hmm. And now everywhere. they all have children and all of their children have phones. Indeed. And it sure is a different In, world. Indeed it is. <laughs> and Jackie, a man that volunteers for us that puts our TV show on GodTube and YouTube, you can see it at our website too, pastorstudy.org, he does all that. And I'm not technical. I said to him uh, a few years ago, I said, all these kids with iPhones, the parents are putting filters on that so they can't get pornography, aren't they? And he said, overwhelmingly, no. They don't know how to do it. So do it. Yeah. Mm. Pastor Tom, has the gospel been preached to all the nations as it was predicted in Matthew 24, I yes. think it was? Jesus said, first the gospel must be preached to all the nations and then the end will come. And Jackie, I wonder if we're not there. I mean, has every nation on the earth heard the gospel? I think it's probably been preached in every country. Now, some people think nations there means people groups. Has every single people group been reached? Probably not. But I don't know if we're there or not, but I think we're getting close. That's kind of scary, isn't yeah. it? But you know, it also should be a wake-up call to people who are sitting in the wings just waiting. Yeah, we need to be involved. <laughs> yep. What are some of the mission groups that you recommend that people should donate sure. to? Sure. 
I'm going to, if, you know, I, I encourage you to give your, your money to your church. But then above your uh, tithe or whatever it is you do, give money to foreign missions. I love giving to foreign missions. Here are the missions I love. It's called International Christian Concern. You can Google it. Your money goes to help Christians overseas who are imprisoned for the gospel. It helps their, their wives and children who are outside of jail still get food on their table. And it also preaches the gospel. I like, so it's International Christian Concern. I like Samaritan's Purse. Uh, they not only help the suffering and starving, they also preach the gospel at the same time. Samaritan's Purse. I love the Jesus Film Project. Uh, that shows the Jesus film around the world. So the Jesus Film Project, Campus Crusade for Christ, Jesus Film Project. There's something called the Timothy Institute that people could Google, where they too are helping people come to Christ uh, around the world. You know, it's amazing that we still have so many people that haven't heard the word. When you talk about yeah. all these different organizations yeah. and things that are sharing. Yeah, and you know, Jackie, what, that, what, what you just said reminds me, I went to Grinnell College for a while, very intellectual place. In college, Jackie, this, I, this girl was saying, why do people worship Jesus? He died on the cross, didn't he? And I said, I put up my hand in class, yeah, but he rose from the dead. She had never heard, and this is a very intelligent girl in an intelligent college, she'd never heard that Christians believe Jesus rose from the dead. And so we shouldn't assume that people in America know the gospel. Yeah. Well, getting scary. <laughs> is it possible to be spotless and without blemish in this life? Right. I mean, we have so much stuff going on yeah. around us. Well, it's said in that text, 2 Peter chapter 3, seek to be found spotless and blameless before him. The only way we ultimately do that is through Christ's uh, blood and through his, his righteousness attributed to us by faith. But still, we are to work out our salvation with fear and trembling and get rid of that stuff. I encourage people watching this, we got about a minute left, but I want to encourage you, if there's something in your life that you know God wants you to get rid of, maybe it's a book or a magazine or a website or a uh, person in your life who's causing you to sin, um, be, the Bible says strive to be found spotless and blameless before him. Okay, I know we really are short, but will the world melt at the second coming of Christ? I believe it will, Jackie. Okay. That's Second Peter chapter 3. <laughs> All right. Yeah. And what about the millennium? The millennium is the thousand-year reign of Christ on earth, which we find in Revelation 20. So when Jesus comes back, he actually will reign on earth for a thousand years. I tend to take that literally. Other Christians think it's symbolic because it sure seems like when the end comes, it's over. But you've got that Revelation chapter 20. So that, that's the issue that Christians have to agree to disagree on. Okay. Tom, we're getting close to the end here. And mm -hmm. that, is there anything you'd like to say to people? Yeah. Just um, thank you, everybody, for your prayers and for your giving. We're still on the air now. We've been doing this for 30 years. And so I, I just thank you for your support and ask you to pray for us. God bless. Thank you for watching the Pastor Study. You can watch more of our programs at pastorstudy.org. We are on the air preaching the gospel of Christ because of our generous support of you, our viewers. Would you consider supporting our ministry? You may do so at pastorstudy.org. Or write the Pastor Study, P.O. Box 41294, Minneapolis, Minnesota 55441. May the blessing of our one triune God Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you today and always. If you've been blessed by the pastor's study, 
Would you consider a tax-deductible gift to help us reach more people with the good news of Jesus Christ? You can donate at our website, pastorsstudy.org, two S's, or mail a check to the Pastor's Study, P.O. Box 41294, Minneapolis, Minnesota, 55441. May the Lord bless you and have a wonderful week.